You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Dory Berenstain is an Emmy Award-winning documentarian, a four-time Tony Award-winning Broadway producer, an Olivier Award winner, and a Golden Globe nominee. Dory is also the co-founder and CEO of the Broadway Podcast Network. She is a true philanthropist, and she manages to incorporate charity into her shows and projects. She is a dear friend, and we share the same birthday. But most importantly, she is the mom of Sammy Cannell and collaborates with her on several projects, including their current documentary, The Show Must Go On. Sammy is a director who is one of Forbes magazine's 30 Under 30 in Hollywood and entertainment, and has worked on and off Broadway as well as in film. She's worked on shows for CBS, Nickelodeon, Paramount Plus, and Cirque du Soleil. Her upcoming projects include several new musicals, revivals, and feature films. Outside of her work in theater, film, and TV, Sammy works with Human First Coalition, an organization dedicated to providing humanitarian aid in Afghanistan. I've known her since she was a kid. Welcome, Dory and Sammy, to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Thank you so much for having us. It is such uh, an exciting thing to be here. I'm a listener. I'm very honored and uh, uh, delighted. We're so excited to be on this podcast, Jan. We love your podcast so much. And of course, we adore you. And we're so honored to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm so happy to have my dear friends here, and I'm so happy, Sammy, to be doing something like super professional with you. <laughs> so, ladies, are you ready? We're going to do a little warm-up first, okay? Think the newlywed game. Um, <laughs> Dory, what are three words that describe Sammy? <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a game. <laughs> I, oh, wow. It depends on okay. the day, Jen, how, how nice this is going to go. <laughs> there are people listening, Dory. <laughs> yes, she's my daughter, but I really feel I can step away and look at this situation and answer your questions accurately. So here goes. Driven. Mm, brilliant and visionary. 
gosh, thanks, Mom. My favorite part was watching <laughs> Sammy's face as Dory was saying these words. I was like, what's it going to be? <laughs> okay, Sammy, your turn on the hot seat. Three words to describe your mom. Role model. Uh, trailblazer. Uh, passionate. Love that. Question for both of you. If you could be part of any fictional family, whether it's a Broadway family, a TV, or a film family, which family would you want to be a member of? Dory. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, okay. I would love to be part of the Miranda family. I think they are just obviously brilliant, brilliant creators, but they're also so deeply committed to giving back, to philanthropy, to social impact. So that's my family. I love that. They're not fictional, but we'll accept that as an answer. And I guess, does that make you like Lynn's sister or his aunt? Or I can't figure that out. Um, Sammy, what about you? Which family? I would say probably the like cheaper by the dozen family because I just have always wanted lots of siblings and pets and things. And I just grew up with a brother. <laughs> just a brother. <laughs> just a brother. <laughs> we love your brother. I, I, I would. I, I, I love my brother, and 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 I have half sisters who I love as well. But I, I just loved the idea of like having a house of tons of kids, which I did not have. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, you should be. <laughs> okay, this is turning into a therapy session. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you, Dory. Where's your happy place? My happy place. Okay. My happy place definitely is in the theater, either in the audience, just taking it all in, having the best time, laughing, crying, being transported, or backstage, um, and working on a show. Definitely my happy place is absolutely collaborating with others, being with others at the theater. And Sammy, what is your most used emoji? Oh, Probably the woman who has her hands up, like, I don't know, because <laughs> I just think it's a good answer to a lot of mm. things. Like, <laughs> Sammy, Sammy, what do you most give a damn about these days? These days, I think uh, art that impacts. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot recently, and I think it's partly through you mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the work that I've been doing with Afghan aid. And um, it's made me sort of recalibrate a little bit about the kind of art that uh, matters to me. Um, I appreciate all art, but now I think a lot about what is the impact of a given project that I'm pursuing um, and is it going to make the world or does it have the propensity to make the world a better place? Um, and that's sort of the, the guide that I'm trying to follow now. Um, yes, Dory, she's brilliant. Dory, <laughs> what are you most grateful for today? I'm grateful for everyone on this podcast interview deeply. Mm. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Me too. Same. <laughs> so let's let's segue a little bit into more of the philanthropic conversation. And you know, I, Dory, I've known you for a long time, and philanthropy seems like it's part of your DNA. And I wondered, even though we know each other so well, I don't really know your history of philanthropy, how you were raised, and I wondered if your sort of giving spirit comes from something you saw modeled when you were growing up, or if it was something that came to you later in life. And I wondered if you could comment about that. I was so fortunate to grow up with parents who cared passionately about the state of the, of the world and about other people. And 
some of my earliest memories were of being by their side when we went to UCLA to hear speakers uh, speak on various social impact issues. To uh, They were active in political campaigns with candidates that really cared about humanity. Um, this was the discussion at the dinner table growing up. So I was surrounded by it, and I don't know how to be any other way. Sammy, as Dory's daughter, clearly your mom and dad have done a great job modeling social activism and charity for you. And I wondered, how do you think being raised by these role models inform your social impact and sort of charitable spirit? Well, I think, you know, much in the same way, it was modeled for me very early, um, you know, my mom was always producing fundraisers or, or, or galas that were, you know, benefiting important causes for her. And also, you know, my my grandparents were very involved in um, uh, a lot of aid uh, and particularly um, on, on my dad's side in um, uh, aid in the Middle East. So, you know, that was definitely something that was instilled in me very young. And also, I think this is probably true for a lot of Jews, but, you know, as a bat mitzvah, um, you know, a, a, a important part of that is, you know, what your community service, what your sadaka is going to be. And I worked at a home uh, for adults with um, developmental disabilities. And that sort of started to instill in me not just um, fundraising, uh, you know, for impact, but also, you know, how to be on the ground and make a difference with, um, you know, uh, being in the room with with folks who who need help. You know, there's been a lot of conversation on this podcast about, you know, how one can give, you know, whether it's writing a check or whether it's using your social media platform or your own sweat equity. So that's interesting. So you sort of felt that when you were 13 getting your bat mitzvah that you like got that hands-on engagement. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that I've tried to figure out is how to marry art with that, which I know is, you know, really so much of what the, the, the podcast is, is, is about. And, and so many of your guests have articulated so beautifully what the intersection of, of, of that is. I found little ways over the past few years to, to find those intersections, but really the past year, it's been finding the intersection of, of refugee aid, specifically in Afghanistan and where it intersects with Broadway, which seems like an unlikely pairing, but that's sort of been what has excited me the most about, you know, how our work can give back in um, unexpected ways. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of Broadway and this community. I got a call yesterday from Everytown uh, Gun Reform, and they asked if I could help them put together mm. a campaign where Broadway supports gun reform. And I get a lot of incoming questions and, and uh, ideas about how can Broadway use their community to help other charitable organizations or, you know, big, bigger causes. And obviously in Broadway, we have our Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS and the Entertainment Community Fund, which used to be the Actors Fund, and, and other really important causes, Broadway Green Alliance and so forth. But I think that that Broadway community has demonstrated for so many people that we can also impact other causes that are much bigger than Broadway. I think this world of, this idea and this world of community is really important. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, what it's like to be someone who gives back to the community, but also how that impacts and informs the world at large. And uh, Sammy, I want you to start because I know you've had some recent experiences where your 
sort of started with your Broadway community, but then you definitely have been doing a lot of work with with Afghanistan and, and other things too that are much bigger. Perhaps the most uh, related example in, in our case as it relates to um, community is the two of us just made uh, a documentary film that is about the survival of theater during the pandemic. And the, the film was meant to document a specific you know, moment in time and talk about the determination of theater makers. But it was also meant to provide a, a service for theater makers looking to sort of get back on their feet, um, at, you know, by showing that that model. And I think that's sort of an abstract form of service, but we wanted to figure out how to make it concrete. And so um, the premiere of the film, which happened in August in the Majestic Theater, um, was to benefit uh, at the time the Actors Fund the the entertainment community fund and also was you know one of our goals on the project was to employ as many out of work artists as possible those were you know some of the ways that on a project like that we we were trying to think about how does something serve a community in multiple ways uh, sort of in a holistic sense so that that that's one of the one of the ways that we've been thinking about you beat me to the punch about the um, about the doc so let me just fill everybody in so Obviously, in March 2020, theater shut down everywhere except for one country, which was South Korea. And your film that you and your mom uh, worked on together follows a company of artists that were involved in two theatrical productions. It was Phantom and Cats and how they sort of pushed ahead through the pandemic and they sort of showed the way forward so that even Andrew Lloyd Webber in London and the West End used some of those techniques to bring back theater there. And what I love about the film is that it's a very human story. It's a story about resilience and determination and how if we come together, we can heal, we can create, we can inspire. So, Dory, can you tell us a little bit about this journey and how the film was made? Absolutely. You know, when the pandemic hit, obviously everything came to a stop and Sammy, Sammy's career was just bursting out, you know, as everyone who uh, was in their 20s. They were just launching into their careers, and, and it was just, just such a difficult time for everyone. And um, she was going crazy. And um, she obviously needed, um, as everyone did, you know, to focus and and find a way through all of this uh, and to bring all of her passion and creativity, um, keep, keeping that alive during this time. I'm going to let her tell the story about how she connected on this idea and then how we uh, came together to make it happen. So I was um, in my apartment alone, as we all, uh, many of us were, um, and I was FaceTiming with my friend Kristen, who is the musical supervisor of the world tour of Phantom of the Opera, and she supervises a lot of the cats tours as well. And um, this was June 2020. She said, you know, in a few weeks, I'm actually going to South Korea to mount a production of cats. And I said, what are you talking about? You know, nobody's leaving their apartment, let alone going to South Korea, let alone making a musical. And she said, no, you know, in South Korea, it's happening. Um, you know, Phantom of the Opera had reopened there at in in March 2020 um, as everything else was, was shutting down. And for a time, it was the only large-scale English language musical running anywhere in the world. And I said to her, you know, there's something here that I think the rest of the theater community around the globe can can learn from. Simultaneously, I'd sort of been watching what was going on with Andrew Lloyd Webber's advocacy on the West End as he was championing the return of theater. So I, I called my mom and I said, you know, I 
don't know how to make a documentary, but but you do. And it feels like there's something to capture here. She has really bad uh, asthma, so she couldn't get on a plane, but I could. And so we thought, okay, well, if I go document this in Korea and she's sort of the one stateside, we can, you know, team up to to make this this film together. So we wrote to Android Weber and we said, hey, um, you know, is someone documenting this? And if not, uh, can we do it? He said, yes, immediately. All the uh, necessary parties said yes. And then we brought on two executive producers who were incredible and so generous and moved so quickly, um, Liz Armstrong and uh, WYSIWYG Studios in South Korea. And we were just very lucky and it all sort of, you know, happened from there. It's an amazing and inspiring, you know, documentary. I wanted to sort of touch base about this idea. How do you select the stories you want to tell. So Sammy, that was just a great example of you're randomly talking to a friend and suddenly this triggers this idea. I will never forget sitting at my desk in Times Square and Dory calls on this. She's driving into the city and we're catching up. And I said, well, where are you going? And she says, actually, I'm going to New Jersey. So New Jersey. Yeah. I read, you know, in USA Today that they're having a tryouts for a senior dance hip hop group. I'm like, that's so random. What are, you, what are you doing? I don't know. I just think it'd be an interesting story. Maybe <laughs> I'll, you know, I just want to see what it is. And that story turned into your documentary, Got a Dance. So I wondered if you guys could talk a little bit about how you select these stories that are so compelling. And yet some of us mere mortals would never even think to do what you do. I, I think that that's, that's such a good example. You know, it's, it's, how ideas for storytelling come up are every single project I think we've both ever done. The origin has come from a different place. And I think that we both are very, very inspired by stories that are saying something to the world that we feel needs to be said. And, you know, to be able to be basically an activist through art is something that I think we both care deeply about. And that example I had been so aware of ageism in Hollywood and and less much less so um, in in the world of theater and I it was such a stark contrast to me when I came to New York and saw that Broadway community was so much more embracing and of and you know and at the time you know there was someone directing a Broadway show who was ninety and and all these great designers and artists and performers that were on stage at every age and it didn't matter. And in fact, you know, the older they were, the more wisdom everyone felt they had to impart and they were greatly valued. Whereas the experience that I had in Hollywood, it was like, if you're over 30, things get start to get tough. And, you know, so many people who early in my career were running the town couldn't even get a meeting. And I was just so shocked and bothered by um, ageism. Uh, I had actually read a little blurb about that at, uh, at the tryout in New Jersey, and it had been on my mind, you know, how do you take on this issue? How do you help enlighten people about that you, you know, age doesn't matter unless you're cheese? <laughs> Uh, how do you do that in a really creative storytelling way without making a talking head doc that only people who already are believe that are going to watch? And so that was the inspiration. That's what made me get on the car and chatting with you about it. Of course, I'm sure at the time just inspired me that, yeah, this this is something really important to explore. And Because um, I'm and so old. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you probably said, that's interesting. You know, yeah, you should do that. How cool. I think it's it's kind of a confluence of both, you know, an interesting story 
that could potentially unfold in really exciting ways artistically with something that is purposeful. And why would I want to spend years of my life dedicated to this if it's going to help make the world a better place and improve lives? I am so excited about it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know, this idea of selecting stories you want to tell, I want to move that to this idea of selecting causes that you want to support. You know, Dory, I know that you've also been a big advocate of arts education. Sammy, you have your humanitarian efforts. But how do you decide what causes are important to you, particularly for listeners, you know, who want to be philanthropic or want to do good or give back? We can be so overwhelmed. I mean, particularly, you know, right at this time in in history. So how do you how do you make that decision? Is it a feeling? Is it, you know, something you research? Is it strategic? Is it tactical? For me, I think it's about uh, personal, like what is, um, what are you connected to and what is your passion going to make you work really hard for, you know, I mean, some people are just altruistic in every possible way and are going to, you know, work hard for for everything. But I think in my case, I ended up in the world of, of Afghan aid because of a friend of mine um, whose family was uh, trapped in Afghanistan uh, in August, um, and they were on the Taliban kill list, and they needed to get out. They didn't know how, and I didn't know how, but Americans with connections had more ability to get people on lists than the average Afghan. You know, so my friend and I started working together to evacuate her family, and I was watching a special on CNN about an organization based in D.C. that was having a lot of success getting people out. And I called the organization and I said, hey, um, you know, I have this this family. I'm happy to come volunteer. Can you put my family on on your list? And they said, absolutely. And please come right now. You know, we need as much uh, help as as we can get. And I went to D.C. and um, they ended up, interestingly, with the help of Andrew Lloyd Webber, getting this family out of Afghanistan. But the there are so many, you know, components of, of that that sort of came full circle in the, in the wildest ways. But the one that really struck me uh, in terms of the intersection of the arts and aid is that we got that family to the U.S. They live in Queens now. But the my my friend Zarifa, who you know I was connected with her initially because she was the conductor of Afghanistan's first and only all female orchestra. At the time, she wasn't in Afghanistan. She was at school in Kyrgyzstan, and so when the you know Afghan government fell to the Taliban she was all of a sudden stateless and her family was in the U.S., but she didn't have anywhere to go. And we were like, gosh, you know, she's about to graduate. What do we do? You know, she's going to be sort of stuck in limbo. And I went to my friends at Phantom of the Opera and I said, hey, um, would you take a conducting apprentice 
um, you know, who could learn, observe and everything. And uh, Phantom of the Opera ended up um, sponsoring her visa. And she came to the U.S. a month ago and, you know, now has a whole life in America because of this musical. And so, you know, the the idea that musical theater can't save lives is not true. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a sort of really exciting um, example of sort of where we can sort of merge the two worlds. I love that story. Dory, what about you? Oh, so many things. I mean, at, uh, at the Broadway Podcast Network, we are already running ads promoting the opportunity to get involved and support every town. You know, we've been so proactive with uh, all sorts of different issues that either are directly related to the theater community or to the world we're in. Stop Asian Hate, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, Broadway Cares, Equity Fights Aid, so on and so forth. And so anything that we can do to amplify and support, it's what the community is about. You know, we're helping each other. We're helping the world. We're telling stories that that make the world a better place. And specifically, like the the God to Dance example, just being exposed, living your life and seeing things that are, you feel are just unjust, you know, and seeing so many instances of LGBTQIA discrimination, of hate, of, of just horrible things happening. It was both an exciting creative opportunity, but really uh, a mission when we decided to tell the prom story really from a blank page and it took eight years to manifest itself and went through such a roller coaster but from day one the vision for that the idea for that is we can create art that can impact lives that can change lives and and it can be in schools all over the country and beyond so it wasn't like oh wow we're gonna make we're gonna make a musical that's gonna make a gazillion dollars um Mm -hmm. it was really coming from a place of how we can help people and make our world better and also change the way those that are not accepting and are not tolerant change the way they think and see the world and so it was really you know mission theater and very much intertwining in how you know, the arts and and advocacy can be intertwined. And um, having that mission <laughs> gets you through the most difficult moments of creation because it's hard. It's really hard. But having that driving purpose behind it really will get you through. I love that. And, we, you know, we've talked about many things on this podcast um, over the last year, year and a half. And this idea of, you know, art with purpose, um, mission arts, however you want to call it, uh, impactful arts. It's, uh, it, we haven't really talked about it that much, to be honest, even though I've been talking to artists. So I'm so glad that we're having this conversation and that there's such a focus on particularly that. I think most people listening to this podcast are, um, maybe some are artists, but maybe maybe some are more like me. They're people who appreciate artists. And I just wondered, what advice would you give to listeners about how to become activists or philanthropists? I like to use the term everyday philanthropists, because I think um, you know, it is something that it's just part of who you are. Um, a lot of people have talked about just being kind. Other people have talked about writing checks. Other people have talked about volunteering. But I wondered if you, what your advice would be to people about, you know, getting involved and giving back. I would say at least for young people or like emerging artists, I at least used to sort of have the idea that because I didn't have money, I wasn't sure what my place was in the world of of giving and philanthropy. I was like, well, I don't I don't know how to contribute. Um, you know, I could 
sign up for Habitat for Humanity and like help build a house, you know, but I, I didn't I didn't really know what it was. And I think that I guess what working in the Afghan aid sphere has taught me is that anybody with a laptop and a cell phone and who's, you know, or, or either of those things, um, you know, can do a lot in the way of contributing sweat equity. You know, obviously special qualifications and speaking certain languages is very helpful in different, you know, corners of, of aid. But um, uh, a lot can just be done with the will to help um, and compassion and empathy. I taken really taken that lesson to heart and would happily pass it on specifically to fellow like young people who aren't sure what their role or position might be. That's great. Dory is the older spokesperson in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we're living in a time, sadly, that there is such extreme need out there, and um, and it's just an endless uh, endless list of of organizations and causes to support, and not just by writing checks, by by doing the work. I, I really do believe that people who give, and I don't mean just financially, um, give their time, give their energy, give their heart to organizations, they become, you know, it benefits them as much as it, as it benefits the people that they're helping. It really makes your life full and um, makes you appreciate all the goodness and things that you have in your own life. So I, I think that it's really so fulfilling to try and do for others, uh, both because every there's such need out there and, and because I think we all have that responsibility. Mm. You know, I think that it's our world, it's our planet, and, and you know, we all have a responsibility to try and make uh, our world as healthy as it can possibly be. I, I would just add to that that everything that's happening in Ukraine as it relates actually to Afghanistan has taught me a lot about like the psychology of giving, which I think is really interesting because the organization that I work for called Human First Coalition, the the fundraising around aid for Afghanistan changed wildly as soon as, um, you know, Ukraine became an important issue um, because obviously Ukraine needs the aid. Obviously, it's, a, a, you know, a, there's major need. But as soon as it as soon as it happened, so many of the donors who were giving aid, you know, funding to Afghanistan ran from Afghanistan to Ukraine and the need in Afghanistan doesn't go away. Um, and and so I think thinking critically about how giving works and and why at certain moments we're compelled to give, I think is is like something that's really interesting to me and something that I think, you know, humanitarians and philanthropists and activists have to think a lot about um, to sort of figure out how to, even when a topic is not uh, you know, in the news or it's not, you know, there there wasn't a shooting two days ago. How do you, you know, make sure that the the funding keeps coming, you know, because we're so sort of snap judgmenty often, I think, about about where we give. Yeah. I've asked a lot of the guests on this podcast um what they would like to see to make Broadway a better place in the future, especially in light of the last couple of years and everything we've all been through and Black Lives Matter. Most people have talked a lot about equity and, you know, racial justice. I wanted to give you to the last word. I want to hone in on this idea of art with purpose, um, because I feel like as you've been talking about it, I feel like the answer to that question for me, if I were going to answer it for you, would be to create more art with purpose and more art that makes you think and feel and motivates you to do more. But um, 
Why don't you two take us home and, and talk a little bit about how to make Broadway better? I think you did a great job of of give, giving um, that answer because I, I think we both feel that way. And I, I don't necessarily feel that the economics of Broadway support that opportunity. Uh, I think it's extremely difficult to um, get a show on the boards. You know, it is commercial theater. So, you know, it has to be a balance of art and purpose and the commercial side of everything. Um, so I would I would extend your answer beyond Broadway to theater broadly, um, off-Broadway, regional theater, where you can be more prolific with purposeful art. And I would say, go see those shows. You know, I really so deeply believe that art can change the way you see the world and make you think differently and inspire you and enlighten you in ways that you had no idea. Go to theater, you know, that, that's a great starting place whether it's a school production or whatever, it's storytelling that that matters and that um, will collectively end up making the world a better place. And I and I also think that that nurtures future artists that will come to Broadway, give them giving them the opportunity to develop their craft and to uh, learn how to tell stories in such an impactful way that ultimately I hope will make their way to Broadway and make our whole community and the, the whole Broadway, um, what Broadway does for um, the world, uh, even more impactful. I would agree with, with, with everything. Um, and I also think partnerships between productions and organizations that are not related to Broadway are part of what excites me most about some, some of the projects that I'm working on right now. Because it feels like not only is it a way for the art to impact real life people, mm -hmm. <laughs> not just theater people or the people who are, you know, can afford to come to the show. Um, but also it's, I think, a way to make the art um, actually talk to the world. You know, I, I think that so often, you know, theater people, we sort of live in a little bit of a bubble where we're you know, we speak theater, we breathe theater, mm -hmm. we eat theater, we sleep theater. And and really, I think we as artists have a, an obligation to be citizens of the world, to really be thinking about what what our art is saying, how it's contributing and, you know, how it's how it's impacting. So I think p partnerships that a lot of shows have been modeling really well this year, I think, um, you know, between particularly, you know, aided organizations, NGOs, charities, or even, you know, just research bodies, academic institutions, ways for there to be sort of um, partnerships between the real world and the artistic world. That's amazing. I'm going to do a non-shameless plug here, but everybody should see your documentary because it it is such a story of, of resilience. And I think there's such an important story in that. I am so excited to see the work that's going to come out of you, Sammy, because it's already been amazing. And, um, and you're still you're still so young, <laughs> and Dory, as um, you know, you are somebody that I respect so much, and has you've just done so much beautiful, beautiful work that you shared with with the world, and uh, I can't wait for the the next chapter for you. So thank you both for coming on this podcast. It's been so lovely, and um, let's go and change the world with art. <laughs> well, thank thank you, Jan, and for modeling you know all that. I think it's. Uh, philanthropy being at the core of what you do has been very inspirational to a lot of people so um inc us included so we're grateful absolutely so inspiring thank you Jim. thanks for listening to this episode of the broadway gives back podcast broadway gives back is part of the broadway podcast network 
special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.